Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. Hey, guys and girls. Thank you for tuning in. I have Andrew Bond on the line, and we're going to dive straight into some questions we had from the audience. And yeah, a couple of interesting ones. One of them is relating to basically genetics and how much of a difference it makes in terms of, you know, certain people are born with a particular body type. For example, Andrew and I both born as what they call ectomorphs. So we've both been, you know, we were skinny, skinny teens. And, you know, it took us a while to build muscle. We're, we're hard gainers. It took us a while to get to where we're at in terms of muscle gains. So it was a long, long project for us. Whereas other people uh, are known as endomorphs, you know, and they're generally bigger. They find it hard, harder to lose body fat. Um, but what I find is generally a lot of people who are endomorphs generally tend to find, uh, tend to build muscle a bit faster. So yeah, there's pros and cons to both really. But the question was from a guy on Instagram called Isaac Tuha, at Isaac Tuha. And I'll read it out quickly. It was, hey, Martin, I'm interested in metabolism, specifically revolving around teenagers and younger kids. My brother has always been the tall, skinny kid, where I have always been the chunkier brother. And I've had to watch my food intake since I was 13. We basically eat similar foods as it's been whatever our mum's cooked, which has been healthy. We had two years age difference. Also, the ectomorph, endomorph, and mesomorph body types. Are they a myth or do they actually play a role in body fat percentage and muscle mass? So mesomorph, folks, is someone who generally builds muscle. So it's more of a muscular kind of athletic physique. But I don't really believe anyone's born a mesomorph. I think they're like Andrew and I are probably ectomeso. We're skinny, but we, you know, we can. I, I don't know, really know if even mesomorph is a is a type to be honest. But anyway, he said he said um, how much of a role of genetics do genetics play in fitness goals, and are body types a myth or do they play a part in muscle gain or fat loss? Now, as I said, we've always been, as, as a kid, as, as uh, teenagers and kids, Andrew and I are both always quite skinny, right? So, as I say, it took us a while to build muscle, and it was a long project. However, you know, when you, I think there's so many different factors that play a part in this as well. So, he was saying about, you know, they both eaten uh, similar foods and stuff, and there's only two years apart. You know, and one of them is one of the brothers is naturally bigger and one is naturally skinnier. Now, I've seen this a lot in siblings. I've started to notice it a lot. For example, my girlfriend, she she can just look at a dumbbell and build muscle, but she finds it harder to lose body fat. Uh, whereas her sister is is genetically really, really slender. You know, they're completely different body types. So obviously, genetics do play a big part in a uh, massive part. And in fact, um, I looked at some studies and Basically, in terms of her heritability, right? So the estimates can range for about 30 to 80%, right? For muscle strength in terms of your genetics. So muscle, skeletal muscle is it's a highly heritable trait, right? So that's quite a big margin. So 30 to 80% of your lean mass, sorry, of your, of your strength is, it can be based on genetics. Whereas 50 to 80% of your genetics are going to determine how much muscle you can gain. So based on those stats, obviously genetics play a huge part in it. But yeah, how have you found it, Andrew, over the years, you know, and, and what you've learned with clients and stuff in terms of different body types? 
do you have anything to say about this, mate? Yeah, man. I think like in terms of body types, I feel that that's it's it's kind of a I think it's been displaced now and it's been repelled in the fitness industry, man. There's um like you said earlier, there is that crossover and there's so many different variables um, with each person, so many different environmental factors to take into account that to class like everyone in the same category would be pretty much foolish. Mm. Um, I feel like in the fitness industry these days, we categorize people to like play on insecurities or sell them a product, right? So you're going to say, right, he is a ectomorph right he's tall and lean you're a hard gainer you're in this category you should choose this program to train with this type of diet to follow then you are endomorph you gain fat really easily and you need to follow this category or follow this training program whereas like everyone is an individual everyone is different so you need to treat each person differently in terms of like the is are these guys teenagers or are they not anymore no they're like um in their early 20s i believe yeah yeah right Okay, so as what's the height? Is it like height vary? Like I need a little bit more inf- so excuse me, a bit more information on on both of them. But are they the same height, or is one? Yeah, they're around as far. As, I think one is a little bit shorter. But I, th- I don't think there's much yeah. in it with heights. I didn't actually yeah. ask him that, but yeah, he said basically he's always even since like the age of thirteen, they've always mm. eaten very similar. Uh, they've always played sports and done similar things activity wise. But he's right. always been. He's always had to watch. Uh, I kind of got it wrong earlier. Sorry, they don't. They didn't eat the same. He's had to be more cautious about what he eats and stuff, even from the age okay. of thirteen. Right, so, right, right. I was going to. They are eating the same. Then that could have been. You know, you, it'd be very difficult to know without them, without us tracking like what they're consuming and what their calories are. Obviously, they may have just had different portion sizes. Absolutely. Did one of them, one of them could play a different position in sport. So, you know, it's like when you did they play rugby or football. Or? Yeah, I think they played rugby. And I think they played a few sports. You know, it's like you're in Australia. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm assuming like rugby league, rugby union. So if one was in the forwards, then he may have been more physically active, I guess. If he's like playing flanker or number eight, where he has to get around the park a lot, he has yeah. to do a lot of in mauling. And then the other is in the backs. Yeah. You do less movement there, you know. Exactly. When you, when you add it all up, it's true. And it? it can be, there can be these. Yeah, that's right. Because it could, could be like you know subtle changes. Where someone's yeah. doing like an, let's just say one of them was averaging an extra five thousand steps a day for whatever reason that was, he was moving yeah. an extra thirty minutes to an hour a day. If mm-hmm. you look at the compound effect of that, you know it can have a massive effect. But at the same time, like you know, we don't claim to be doctors or scientists, and you know we're not going to say we know everything about genetics because it's very complicated with human metabolism. It's it's so complicated. However, as I was saying earlier, you know there, there's so many different things which can happen from one sibling to the next. You know, in yeah. terms of in terms of the body type, I've observed yeah. it a lot, and I've seen I've seen brothers and sisters who have got completely different genetic shapes, and they, there's a f- only a few years apart. They have got the same mum and dad, obviously. You know, yeah. so there can be so many changes um, genetically because they're finding out a lot now about like um, epigenetics, which is where your genes your genes we have we have like about 19, 19 to twenty thousand different like protein coding genes right so essentially you've got about 19 to 20,000 different genetic blueprints and all those genes respond differently like you have a certain amount of muscle building genes you have a certain amount of genes which help you lose fat you have all these and you have like all different uh, genes which are gonna help with immune system function and and turning certain things on and off within your immune system this is so complicated but what they found is that you can with with epigenetics is basically when your genes can switch on and off based on the environment. So what they're yeah. finding is 
Yeah. So like, for example, their mum and dads, like within that two years apart, you know, they, they would have experienced different things within their life, which means the environment or wherever their lifestyle was within that two years, certain genes could have switched on and off. And that could then change the DNA of the child, right? Now, again, I don't want to sound like a scientist, but there, there, there can be a lot of difference from person to person. But as Andrew yeah. was saying, you know, there could also be a huge difference in lifestyle stress. You know, I, I, I didn't ask the guy what exactly what their upbringing was like, you know, like they could have had certain levels of stress and whatnot, which of course, which could cause different changes within the body, right, And So, yeah. And, and especially more prevalent these days is that like are we obviously as they went through school was one of them um, more conscious about like their body and their image the one who was maybe slightly bigger and slightly overweight and deleted from that you're more conscious and, and maybe you know he had people talking about him in school and saying certain things to him did that put him off like doing certain activities and joining groups and, and joining different sports absolutely and, you know, making him less active as well so if you're talking about environment, environmental mm-hmm. fact that could have happened yeah, definitely. The emergence of, I know he's 20, so definitely it's different to our time. Obviously, we didn't have things like social media and putting pressure on us, but that maybe something that they were paying more, he was paying more attention to. So rather than going outside and being active, were they spending more time on social media? Hours per day, were they on the computer playing games a lot more? Because I know now it's more difficult for children to go outside. It's kind mm-hmm. of a panic for a parent to tell a child to go outside and do some activity whereas when we were growing up we were told right you need to get outside and we wouldn't come back for hours where mm. parents are more likely now because they're, they're afraid of uh, the dangers we're probably in a safer time now than ever but they feel that it's more dangerous so they'll keep their kids indoors so they will be less active absolutely and, and that can have a, a different effect on the body you know definitely mate and I, I wanted to say about that as well let's just talk about that real quick is this actually crazy um, how much has changed from one generation to the next if you look at when we were kids, Andrew, as you said then, like I was outside all the time playing sports nonstop. Uh, yes, I did like computer games, right? So um, I did like to play on my Mega Drive and then my PlayStation and stuff like that. But I wasn't, you know, and I did go through a phase where I was kind of getting addicted to certain games. But nowadays, kids um, are addicted to to playing on their tablet or their phone or their laptop or whatever game it is with whatever app they want to play on and playing against their mates on different, like, you know, I don't know, Call of Duty, like, that's a big one, isn't it? Like, the war games. And you can't, like, my nephew, for example, even since the age of, like, three or four, um, my sister's had to struggle to pull him away from his tablet and get him outside. You know what I mean? Like, you have to, it's like, like you said then, it's it's a, it's quite a, quite a worrying uh, prospect, really. But, um, yeah, just to, I reckon we can just sum this up, really, and we can relate, we can kind of identify the experiences we've had with clients. You know, because he did say, is is body types a myth or do they actually play a role in fat percentage, you know, losing fat and building muscle? Uh, yeah. and, and, to, and to answer that question, yeah, they play a huge part, really, because I, like I said, like I have certain clients I'll train and we, we talked a lot before about um, increasing your daily steps and focusing on lifting weights, you know, to lose body fat. And then obviously just, just trying to eat right most of the time. But for some people... Um, who find it hard to lose body fat. So if that's you listening now and you, you have a real hard time losing body fat, firstly, there could be lots of different aspects which are playing a part in that. Um, but I find those kind of people have to sometimes schedule cardio in. I have to actually say, right, okay, you have to allocate 30 to 45 minutes of walking 
every day. Or if they enjoy something else like the elliptical and they want to do that, that's fine. I'll normally keep a low intensity, but I'll say to that body type, so let's just say that's the endomorph body type who's genetically, um, they carry more body fat genetically and find it hard to lose fat. I will say, right, you have to allocate and schedule that cardio in as opposed to just saying, right, okay, you need to hit 12,000 steps. I'll get them to schedule that cardio in one way or another. And I find they, they do lose body fat a bit faster then. So, and then with the people who find it harder to build muscle, the ectomorphs, you know, they, I have to really hone in on, are they eating enough calories? Are they in a calorie surplus? Are they getting enough food in? Because I find for those people, you know, they could skip a meal and, um, you know, they're, they're in a, a huge calorie deficit just by, by having what, you know, the best way to describe it is, you know, they could have a week where they're not quite eating enough and they will plateau and not build muscle. Not necessarily lose a significant muscle, but they will plateau much quicker when it comes to building muscle if they have that skinny or ectomorph, you know, body type. There's a lot of crossover as well, right? Like, you know, you can probably cross over from uh, being a ectomorph to uh, a mesomorph, you know, by having, like you said earlier, your structure, as a, as a trainer, you're structuring certain things in uh, the client's routine. So, like, for example, if you are struggling to, to gain weight, like given time and following like a training plan and following a good, uh, a different diet that is is using and utilizing increased calories, then you could easily fall into the mesomorph category. Like you know, if we're going to divide people up into that. And like if someone is classed as an endomorph, um, you know, they may be that way because like they sat down at a desk all day they don't exercise, they're consuming too many calories, they don't, they rarely move and they rarely work out. And like that can be just a slight adjustment as a trainer that you make a couple of tweaks to their diet and then you get them just to move a little bit and then they could slip from one category into the, into another again. But like, I feel like, like I said earlier in the fitness industry, we play on people's insecurities and, and things like that. Like don't just use it as an excuse as to why you are skinny and you can't gain muscle or to why you are overweight. I'm overweight because I am a uh, endomorph when really you know that you are over-consuming and you're not doing enough activity and that's the reason you're overweight, not just because you are that kind of category, you've been classed into that category. Or if, things aren't, or if things aren't working out in your own, own training plan and then you look online and you say, oh, there's a training plan for a, uh, if you're an ectomorph, for example, and you, you, you're saying then are I haven't gained any muscle because I haven't used this training plan as an ectomorph because they're selling you that online. That's not right either. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. it, it's, it's, it's tough because as a trainer, you have to be brutally honest. Mark, like you said earlier, you're telling people to schedule certain uh, cardio in a certain times. But also, like, sometimes we, we can't look like a, a supermodel. So if you're a woman who's 5'2", then I can't get you to look like a six foot supermodel, but I can do what's best for you and what's best for your body. And I feel that comes down to you loving your body as well and being happy with it rather than trying to look like someone else all the time. Like for example, I'm not, my physique isn't like yours, right? Um, and you have skinny legs. I have well-developed legs. So it's, uh, mm, it's a trade off. Mess, messing with you there. Man. No, no. But, uh, <laughs> I was going to take the hit there. I thought, that's okay. I'll take it from you. I have a six pack and I get, I get down to very low. I've been down to very low percentage levels, but I've never had an eight, eight pack or what you got 10, right? 
<laughs> not at the moment. I've got eight, I think. Yeah, but right, eight at the moment. Okay, so you, you can get what up to ten. I can get ten. Yeah, exactly. Which is I a genetic. I'll get that no matter what I do. Do you know what I mean I can't? No matter how lean I get, I can't look like Martin. So if you're classing yourself as some body type or whatever, or you're trying to be like someone else, sometimes it can't happen. Just you can only make yourself into the best version of you. But like the fitness industry should stop selling people a dream. This body type is you. This is your training program. Just you know, put structures in place that we keep on talking about each week, and you will get to your the best version of yourself. Exactly, and that kind of bleeds into the next question because if you're making those fundamental changes we always talk about, and if you're, you know, even if you're lifting weights and you're doing it properly, right? You're doing lifting weights properly and you're treating each exercise as a skill, right? As a practice, rather than going into the gym and trying to sweat and fall into that camp where it's no days off and I've got to train hard every day and I've got to push myself in the gym. And looking at the looking at exercise and training as work, as opposed to going in there and focusing on, you could get away with doing literally two training sessions a week and get insane results. I train people, and I'm sure Andrew does as well. I train a lot of my clients actually do two sessions a week, one or two sessions a week. And the ones who do the two sessions a week, I get them significant results um, when they look at the the long game and they focus on making those small incremental changes and, and, and they're willing to change their behaviors and, and make these subtle changes as we always talk about, they get insane results down the line. And just as just as Sal Di Stefano said in uh, in one of the recent one of my recent podcast episodes. Are you saying that right or are you what's that? Is Sal Di Stefano. Stefano, I don't know. It might be Stefano. Maybe yeah, I'm not sure. It's Stefano. It's Stefano. It's Stefano. You've seen Glory Bastards? Have you seen that scene when they, he's trying to get them to speak Italian? Brad Pitt and that? No. It's awful. They pronounce their names. You've never seen that movie? I've seen it. I can't remember that part, though. Watch that. Like, and you'll, it'll remind you of that. Exactly. Well, anyway, so I was talking to a Cell di Stefano, and he was talking yeah. about yeah. making, he was talking about making, you know, he says, one thing he says is, if you can improve yourself a little bit, a tiny bit every day, <laughs> that will lead to massive changes down the line, okay? So this is bleeding into the the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was, you know, as we talked about, I asked Sal this question on the episode. And folks, if you haven't listened to it, I think it's two episodes back, might be episode 56, I think it is, maybe 55. Check it out. It's an amazing episode. He covers everything. And it's about doing fitness the right way instead of the fast way, okay? Because... As I was saying then, if you can focus on those fundamental things, you know, lifting weights even twice a week, for example, is going to get you insane results. So instead of like Andrew was saying then, online nowadays, online, you'll get all of these different companies or or even, sorry, let's just talk about the Insta-famous models playing into your insecurities. Let's look at the, the, the female fitness model with 5 million followers. And she'll and what they do is they 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 I was going to say they're quite smart, but not really. What they do is they just play on your insecurities. So they'll say, right, okay, this is what's going to work for females, for example. For example, this program where they're using bands and they're doing all this fancy stuff in the gym, and this is going to work for you as a female, right? Because you know they're playing into your hands with that, right? Rather than just okay, this is what we, these exercises. If you do them properly, they work for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. If you're squatting properly, you're doing deadlift properly, 
you're focusing on those movements and you're doing it consistently a few times a week, doesn't matter whether you're male or female, the results are going to blow you away. So just bear that, bear that in mind. Um, and how do you how do you play it with clients, and when it comes to them changing their behaviours and and getting those long term results? This is a step by step process, right? It's not something that I'm going to bombard someone with uh, straight away. But I think I think the difficulty you have as a trainer is when they have come from um, another gym and another and another another personal trainer and all they've done and I was guilty of this as myself as as a new trainer all they've done is push intensity um, during the session um, and just trying to beat someone as, as hard as they can hurting them for weeks on end and then and continuing that process but I think like you just need to sit down with them and, and have a have a long chat and explain to them as Sal did in the previous epi- epi- episode that this is the is the long-term approach um, you know sit down with them outline some of their goals, outline some of the habits that you can change with them. And I believe like over time it will eventually sink in, but you know, it is, it is a difficult and long process, mate. And I feel like when you're working with clients, it's not always right. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drop their body fat straight away. If I can show them value in other, other ways, I can improve in their health and improving their, their, um, and, and decreasing their risk of injury. And just in, you know, um, and making them move better, then, and I can do that pretty pretty quickly anyway. Um, then you know they're more likely to learn. Sorry, not learn, but they're more likely to value me as a trainer and believe in what I say. And when I say you need to take long term approach, this is what you need to do. Then they they're more likely to believe me rather than me bullshitting them about I'm going to get you in shape in four weeks. Anyone can do that. I can put you on a treadmill and give you a thousand calorie diet and get you to lose weight in four weeks but really are you going to take you're going to keep that off long term no you're going to rebound and, and it's going to come back to bite you basically so exactly it's just it's making it's, it's, it's again making those those small incremental changes like you're saying about salary you said you can get better every day mm. you, can, you can do that and that's just a habit-based approach um adding certain things in each day and i try not to overwhelm people no. like i'm trying not to them something everything at once like you know as as a as a you know a new trainer was guilty of that i was guilty of okay i'm going to give you a diet plan right this is the food you need to eat i'm going to give you a, a plan that involves weight training five to six days a week um, i'm going to give you a plan of what to do on a night out you know it, it all builds up but that was so overwhelming for a client and and it was very rare that i would get someone to adhere to that definitely unless unless it was someone like yourself who would just stick to that plan who is, you know, you're obviously a physique model, so you're more likely to grab that plan and just follow it down to a T. But for any average person who works um, 10, 12 hours a day, has family life, really can get to the gym, they're not going to follow that. And, and as you alluded to earlier, you know, you can quite comfortably get a good physique uh, by training with weights correctly two days a week and just moving more. Um, Definitely. I was going to say then as well, yeah, because I'm glad you said that. Because one of the reasons we're here on this podcast preaching about the stuff we preach about is because we failed a lot of people, right? We didn't get to where we are as trainers over however long we've been doing this. You know, I've, I've been doing this for like 12 years now from getting it right every time. It's just it's just like anything in life you do, right? You're going to fail. You're going to get things wrong and you're going to learn from it and then you're going to apply something different and then you might get that wrong and then you're going to learn from it and then you're going to, you know what I mean? This is... Fitness and health and sustainable health and, and building a good-looking body 
as we've explained before, you know, you, you really can't cut corners. It's just one of those things where you've just got to enjoy the process. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, we, that was our approach before. It was like, okay, I have the answer for you. I've got the answer for you. Do this, do this, do this, do this. So as Andrew said, then we would inundate them with several different habits. We'd like them to change. For example, changing anything with food, with what you're eating, is a massive, massive thing to change and sustain, even if you change one thing. Let's just say, for example, you're listening to this, right, and you like chocolate, right? Imagine I said to you, you, you want to get in shape, right? You come to me, you want to lose body fat, you want to look better, and you want to feel better, you want to build your confidence, whatever it is, right? That's normally the case for most people. You eat chocolate most days, right? If I said to you, right, first task, I want you to cut chocolate out, right? That to you might sound like, okay, I reckon I can do that, right? You might, you'll trick yourself. That's another thing, folks, right? We're very good as humans at lying to ourselves. We're amazing at doing that. I do it all the time, lie to myself about certain things which are unrealistic. You know, like I'm going to get this done today. Most days I set myself tasks, right? And I don't, I, I get probably half of them done. Okay, that's just an example. But going back to the chocolate, right? You're eating chocolate every day and I say to you, okay, cut chocolate out. Good luck with that, right? You'd be lucky to last a week or two. Or maybe let's just say at most... If you're lucky. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Unless you, even if you're, like Andrew was saying then, even if you're at a, at a higher level, you're a fitness model, you're a physique competitor, right? And you're like, oh, I've been eating so much chocolate. Help me now. I want to get back on track. Okay. Cut that out. Might last about four weeks. So, for example, while I, I, I'll even scale that back. Rather than before, Andrew and I would be like, right, okay, here's a diet plan, which straight away you're setting them up for failure, right? You're giving so, someone's going from most of the time, even people who think they're eating healthy, they're not, right? So they're eating not the best, and then you're like, right, here's this diet plan, right? That's work for us as bodybuilders, because that's where we were at before. That's all we knew really was like, okay, I can get, I can get shredded. So I'll eat, you know, let's just say I'll eat um, meat and vegetables most meal meals and i'll have a cheap meal once a week which again is a disaster right so which 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 worked for you at that time but yeah. it wasn't sustainable right that's no. and i guess that's what we're trying to preach now that was definitely that where was, did that get us and where did that get us you know we've told the us, listeners <laughs> it got us to um insecurities about our body eating disorders um fluctuations in weight uh, you name it we had it so you know and, and having that black and white plan is you don't learn anything from it. I think that's the biggest takeaway we can get from this. Like if you, anyone can lose weight quickly, right? But there's, there's very um, few people who can keep that off long term. And if you're not learning anything from the process, then you know, you know, you're not going to be able to sustain it, sustain it for, for the rest of your life. And that's what you're looking to do. Mm. Uh, so, you know, if, it's, it's just like a black and white plan. It kind of, like say I was I was I gave you a black and white plan now and then the weekend came and you had an evening out with your your friends or your family and you knew that there was going to be some of the foods on at the restaurant that you didn't have on your plan would that make you super anxious about going out on the weekend mm, for sure right so is that developing like a healthy relationship with food or with your family and and, and things like that or is that just leading to uh, more issues exactly mentally much more issues much more issues. And, and I'm glad you I just come back to me then, just had a little uh, alarm bell ring then because I had this client and I, and I, this is when I was competing actually, and I got her in amazing shape, right? So she went from being um, extremely overweight and actually really unhealthy to, the, I mean, the transformation was insane. Probably the best transformation I've had 
physically. If you were to look at the before and after shot, I could easily, like I think it's on my old website actually. I could put it, I could put it on our new website coming now and, for example, right? And just lie to everyone because, do you know what? She's put a lot of that weight back on. To be fair, she hasn't put it all back on, right? But her, she was not in a good, like mentally, like she, I'm not going to go into it. Luckily, none of the listeners know who she, who she was. Mentally, she wasn't in a good place when I started training her. Um, and I got her, I'd lost, let's just say she lost all in all. It was an insane amount. It was something like uh, maybe 30, 40 kilos. Transformation was insane, but I didn't change anything fundamental with um, with her behaviors and, and her life, essentially. I Yes, I got her in shape. I got her to look better. Um, and I got her from, go, like we were saying earlier, she went from one extreme to another. So she was eating terrible. And then I said, right, follow this diet plan. And she was training with me like five times a week. Anyway, long story short, then she put all pretty much all the weight, well, not all of it. She put a solid kind of like 20 kilos back on. And then she was battling to get it off again. She stopped training with me. I used to see her every now and then. And and then her only, only way she knew then was what I taught her was to train every day. Right? This is the only way. The thing is, folks, when you when you lose a significant amount of weight, if you're not doing it the right way, you're doing it the fast way, like I'd done with her, the only way you know then to lose weight is to go balls to wall every day in the gym and eat, you know, let's just say chicken and broccoli most meals. You know, she was literally doing that. She was eating like a bodybuilder and actually training like a bodybuilder. That's not sustainable. Um, and I failed her. As I said earlier, I failed I failed a lot of people from from that approach. So, you know, making those small changes, for example, I don't know what. You, give me an example, and of like something simple you'll you'll tell a client to do, a, a new client if they've got certain behaviours which are not serving them very well. Simple one would be just to add in a ten minute walk uh, in the morning and a ten minute minute walk in the afternoon. Boom. And how, the result, what results will they get if they do that for a solid month or two? And they will get they obviously increase their their activity level, so they're on exercise activity thermogenesis, which can help with metabolism. I think more, more and all, it just it just shows them that you know, moving more can help reduce body fat, but even more importantly, reduce stress levels when they they have a have such a they're living in such a busy environment. Just taking that time out of their day to come off social media or their screen at work mm. is, just, is is a bigger benefit than any fat loss will be anyway, in my opinion. Definitely, let's just say that client and stuck to that for let's say two or three weeks, right? Give me another habit you could change. Right, other than increasing the steps again, give me another habit yeah. you could change with that your water intake boom and then so she could she could stick to having an extra glass or two of waters a day uh, and sustain exactly. that for another few weeks yeah and then she'll start noticing and then even within that time and she will start noticing the intrinsic changes right like oh i've, I've got more energy when i wake up yeah. in the morning i don't feel lethargic i'm waking up and i feel and they start connecting the dots and then the next step like most people i find under eat fiber okay so a little mind pump media trick they 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 I heard this on one of their podcasts and they were like, um, they'll tell them to have an extra cup of berries a day. Now, I always used to like, okay, eat more vegetables. The thing is, a lot of people struggle to eat vegetables. So simple, have an extra cup of berries a day. Like in, in 100 grams of berries, you're going to get about four grams of fiber for the right types of fiber. So if you do that every day, not to mention all the antioxidants and you know the polyphenols and all that kind of stuff you get in berries and low sugar and whatnot. So if you, to increase your fiber, how about you have an extra cup of berries a day? You know what I mean? Like, and be consistent with that. And again, what you'll start noticing then is, you know what, maybe your digestion improves because fiber is really good for the gut. You know, again, your energy improves. You start getting more sustained energy and less dips because you're getting that kind of slow release of nutrients. And 
all those subtle changes. And then I'll say, okay, we need to bump that fiber up a little bit more and, and increase your veg. So how about you have a handful of spinach a day? You know what I mean? All and then these even like, like a full of protein with each meal. Like not only is that going to keep you satiated, but that's going to help you recover better from a personal training session or walking. Fistful of protein, that's a good one, that. And then something... You know, the majority of people are under-eating under protein and fiber, especially women Women in the diet. Even if they have a well-controlled diet, they tend to under-eat protein as well. So that's a huge win if you have a female client or if there's any females listening now. Yeah. Just add, add, a, add a small amount to your meal. Hmm. See how you feel. See if you're recovering better. Exactly. And by a fistful of protein, you mean like it could be like some, some lean steak, some chicken or some fish. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Some animal fats in there as well. Yeah, definitely. And that's another thing whilst, whilst we're on that topic is, is the fats as well. I find a lot of people um, un, under-eat the right kinds of fats. So as Andrew mentioned then, um, animal fats, that you, even that you get in red meat, you get lots of healthy fats in red meat. But um, fish, you know, we all know omega-3s, uh, really, really good. And also fats help to synthesize protein. So just by adding that extra handful of protein, whether that's fish or red meat or, you know, chicken thighs as well i've noticed you eat chicken thighs don't you instead of breast and yeah i do yeah same um, same i start are all cost because of the fat content in them exactly we were, um we were lied to and, and and we took this to heart basically it's not to eat, eat a lot of fat before because we felt that it would make us fat right so our diet would be probably higher in the consumption of proteins and lean proteins more than anything so like, exactly and it was just a, it was, it was a vile diet, like it's not as tasty. Gross, as like, mate, turkey. It just come back to me then, turkey. Oh, God, I used to eat that leading up the shows. Rice and, and like, you know, now I'm, I understand that, like, white, white rice is more nutritious for me if I can have that in my diet. Chicken thighs are very flavorsome. The fat tastes delicious. You put a bit of seasoning on there. Like some roasted vegetables in olive oil and some salt is, again, delicious. And I feel that misconception people have is that eating healthy has to be very bland mm. but once you start cooking a lot more and you develop your palate and, and your taste buds change like eating healthy you won't you won't want anything else and again that's a, a long-term approach it takes time to get to that stage because you are probably consuming your average there's an american diet here which is full of processed foods so you they are designed to be highly palatable as we've said before um and you know, they, they, they're made to be delicious. But once you start making these incremental changes to your diet, they those type of things you'd want to avoid because when you taste them, they'll become too sweet. And yeah. you'd enjoy having those berries, which taste a lot better in the morning or having a, a piece of fruit or something like that, and, and your taste will change in time. So, um, yeah, the processed foods, once you start dropping those out of your diet over time, then, then you'll, you'll find other things far more delicious. Definitely, mate. Move your hands from the camera, bro. Sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. That's all. No worries. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah just, just just, to sum that up then, really, I mean, we, we, we always sometimes talk about similar things, but obviously we do take different directions and, you know, we gave you some insight then on fiber and stuff like that. So, you know, it's always slightly different to what we talked about, you know, um, on previous episodes, but it always comes back around to those fundamental things. And, um, you know, we, we are we're determined to get into your head and change the way you think. You know, we're slowly, the podcast is slowly growing, which is good. So, you know, if you keep listening, you know, you, you're going to start. And I, I'm sure I've already heard a lot of you are making these changes already. So, uh, you know, consistency is is key. And I just wanted to talk real quickly about patience as well, because, um, you know, being consistent is, as we said before, the person who's training once or twice a week and they're going to the gym and they're really focusing on 
lifting weights properly and just focusing on technique and doing it right, it's going to get much, much better results um, long term than the person who's going balls to wall in the gym every day um, and lasting for a month and then falling off and then going back and then falling off. You know, the person who is consistent a few times a week is going to get by far superior results to the person who's on the on or off wagon, right? So always bear that bear that in mind. And patience, okay? So um, it sounds a bit like, uh, a bit grim when you say patience, right? But all it is is just trusting the process and, and enjoying it. And like, just, just be thankful. As Andrew said earlier, you know, you, you're doing it because you want to take care of yourself, right? You, you're going to the gym. If you're listening to this podcast, the chances are you're doing it for the right reasons now. You're doing it because you're taking care of yourself and you love your body. Not because... I hate this part of my body and I want to change it fast because that's not the right way. That's the fast way. And most of the time that ends in tears. Awesome. And like maintaining diets, it, it can be hard. Like, so you need to make it as easy on yourself as possible and like look for something that works and fits into your lifestyle. Lifestyle is like, I'm seeing different uh, talk on social media about like doing a salary diet. And like, why would you want to do anything like that? Like, that would be absolute misery to do that long term. Absolutely, it makes makes no sense to me. Like, really, you know? Definitely. Um, I think like people think like a short term uh, transformation in four weeks is sexy, right? You have you got abs in four weeks time. You know, you're on holiday, you're showing yourself on social media. But most for the most part, like I was guilty of this in the past. After I got those abs, as soon as I ate normally again, I would just blow up. So exactly, you know. It's not you're not building sustainable habits that can potentially last a lifetime, and that's what you need to look look towards. For sure, start making, you know, start making those changes now. Like we we just obviously brought those points up earlier. They're just some of the changes you can make. I know that may seem like a slow and painstaking process, but if you keep yo-yo dieting year in year out, you're doing that for longer anyway. So why not start now? Absolutely, absolutely. You and just come back to me then. I want to play this real quick for the listeners before we uh, finish up. Um, did you see one of Ben Coomer's posts with uh, with with Jordan, yeah. K- Katie Price? So this is the I'm kind not. of thing. I saw somebody wrote this morning. Though. I got it. I saved that actually. This, um, this is the kind of thing. It's like um, you know, th- there's like a there's there's women with she's got like two million followers, right? And she's talking about she's just come back off holiday and she's got this bloody product, right? It's called the Boom Bod, and you take it for a week. <laughs> And you lose, um, oh yeah, I want to, you know, you're going to lose um, weight for a week. And there's girls commenting 11 and 12. This is where we're at now with social media. There's these influencers. This is yeah. what the battle we're fighting and, right? It's like these people, like you said, eating the celery diet um, and doing these herbal life, whatever it is. You listen to this for two seconds, right? I'll try and play it now to the listeners. And it's just straight then, sugar as well, just to just to top it off. I'm gonna do the morning one because I haven't had breakfast yet. Put the sachet in like that. Anyway, you get the gist, right? So she's got this bloody boom bod sachets, you know, full of sugar or whatever, and she's saying, right, okay, if you want to lose weights and you want to look better, playing into the insecurities, like you said, Anne, like, and not just to the average person, like you've got young kids, like this is the kind of battle we're facing, Anne. But that's what we're here for, Anne, isn't it? And obviously we talked about um, the guys who wrote in earlier about different body types and things like that. But 
there is a massive epidemic amongst children with obesity increasing. I think it's like one in three or one in four kids in the UK are overweight going from primary school to high school. And then they're following and, and listening to people like Katie Price, buying the products, not learning anything from the process, drinking it, losing weight, and then probably ballooning up after. And it's just making that the issue even worse. Like we really need to start educating people and, and stopping um, people like Katie on Instagram selling these products because she's just make, looking to make a quick buck. None of that is sustainable long term, and, and it's just it's just making these issues worse. So exactly, we are. We're all part of the problem, like, you know. So yeah, we are definitely. I've I've done that to people in the past. Like I said, uh, Andrew, don't think Andrew and I haven't done that to people. Like not purposely. We've said, right, follow this diet plan, and they can't sustain it. And you know what? They put all the weight back on. The thing is, if if you lose a significant, like like I've said before, six out of seven people have lost a significant amount of weight and gained it all back and more. And what happens when you gain it all back is you feel terrible about yourself mentally. You feel so shitty about yourself because you've got these results. You've seen what you can what you can look like as well, and straight away you've attached it to how you look at the start anyway, which is, you know, kind of on the back foot really because you've disregarded health, and then you look, you know, you've lost X amount of body fat, and you put it all back on, and you're back to square one again. And as Andrew said, you haven't learned anything from the process, you know, you haven't changed any fundamental behaviours like drinking more water or moving more, um, and you've got these young kids doing this, you know. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with the listeners that you know it's it's not about the quick fix. It's avoid any short-term fitness campaigns at all costs, really. Yeah. What do you do when you start feeling, you know, you put that weight back on, you then use food as like a punishment, I guess. So you start abusing food from that, for the most part, eating more. So it is a vicious cycle, unfortunately, but we are out here trying to give good content. And I feel like the fitness industry is fighting back and there's a lot of people calling people out on bullshit on social media. It's great. I'm um, like, what did they, you know what I mean? I think this is what you wrote this morning as well. Sorry to uh, carry on, but he said, um, something like the uh, this is it. The people you respect and look up to play the long game. So why are you still playing the short game? Spot on. Anyway, I might even call the podcast episode that. That was spot on. Exactly. That's that's bang on. That, all the, that, and that's so true, isn't it? And it's with anything. It's it's with anything in life. And like the mind kind of functions in that way, regardless. So if you look at people who are successful business wise, do you think they played the short game? No, they've grinded for decades in the quiet when no one's looking and they're not on Instagram bragging about it. Um, and then you see them then, you know, living the life and, and, and preaching about what they've done and stuff. And people think, oh, I want a piece of that. But most people are not willing to put the work in and put the hours in to get there. And it's exactly the same with, with health and fitness, really. But it doesn't have to be. Another thing is what you see is you'll like, it's a grind. You see these fitness models like, you know, making it look so hard and miserable, like it's like it's a grind, and it's like no days off, and it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be a chore, and it shouldn't be something that, you know, you you have to do to to, to look or feel a certain way. Um, it just needs to be these small changes, like these very simple changes. Like, and we're not saying it's easy. It's 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 not easy, but it is simple. It's very simple when you do these things. Yeah, we overcomplicate it sometimes, right? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Just spread the right message. 100%. Let's, uh, let's cap it off there. So we did say we were going to do half hour max and we've done 43 minutes again so we've gone over. But we come into our flow and don't we, towards the end. That's the problem. Yeah, we need to start that way, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just cut off the first 20 minutes in future. Okay, so we'll talk to each other first, not record it, and then we'll just record halfway through and we'll be good. Spot on, spot on. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And nice one, Ant, for uh, jumping in again, mate. Thank you, mate.
Talk soon. Speak soon.